Hello, everybody. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to let you know that I am having a spring celebration sale on my CCRN. So right now you can buy my CCRN online program for $199. There is no code needed. You can just head over to my website at khoppypresents.com or use the link that I've provided in the description. And it is already marked down to $199 in celebration of spring. This online program is worth 30 continuing education hours, 24 7 365 lifetime access, and you'll also be getting periodic updates as they're available. So I just wanted to let you know and enjoy the podcast. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the CCRN Review podcast series. In this episode, we're going to talk a bit more in depth about the CCRN exam And specifically, we're going to hone in on the cardiovascular system testable items on the exam. So first of all, um, you can get information and sign up for the CCRN exam. And the same can be said of the PCCN exam by going to the AACN.org website. Um, Once you're there, choose certifications And that basically will take you to what you need in order to get the handbook and apply for the exam. There's everything there uh, that you'll need to get underway. Now, the exam is three hours long and 150 questions in length. Out of that 150 questions, 125 of them are going to be used in order to determine your final score. Uh, The other 25 are just being tested, if you will, to see if uh, they might be used in future exams. So again, three hours long, 150 questions. You will have to take the entire exam. It does not stop you when you've passed. So prepare yourself to sit and take 150 questions and to take really up to three hours of time which for any nurse sitting for three hours of time or up to three hours of time is really a tough gig. So I want you to be mentally prepared to uh, sit for a long period of time in order to complete this, which is something you're probably not very used to. Now, um, we're going to take a look at the exam kind of in its entirety to start out with. 80% of the exam is entitled clinical judgment. And so that has all of the, I like to call it the meat and potatoes of critical care in terms of uh, the different disease processes and and so on. And the second half of it, the other 20% 20 of it is professional caring and ethical practice. So you can see a large percentage of the exam, 80% of it, is clinical judgment. And that's really what we do all day at the bedside. So I'm sure there's no big news flash where that's concerned. Now, when you take a look at the breakdown of the exam, cardiopulmonary is really a lead player. When you think about the cardiovascular system being 17% of the exam 
and the respiratory system being 15%. So you do the math on that, you find uh, 32% of the exam is cardiopulmonary. And a lot of people are real happy because, you know, a lot of critical care nurses are saying, woohoo, I'm really good at the heart, I'm good at the lungs, I'm glad so much of it is cardiopulmonary, and uh, that's a great thing. But I have to warn you, whenever a test section is large, that means that they can delve deeper into that particular section. So I get a lot of people, believe it or not, that say to me, oh my gosh, I got a hundred percent in neuro because you do get the results at the end, which plot all of the systems out for you. People will say to me, oh, I can't believe I got a hundred percent on neuro and I missed quite a few in cardiovascular and pulmonary. And those are really my strong suits. Well, guys, it's because, you know, being a larger percentage of the exam, 32% cardiopulmonary, they can really delve deep and ask some very um, high-level questions. Now, in talking about this high-level question stuff a little bit, let me explain. When you take the exam, it's very similar to boards in that some questions are considered to be very low-scaled score questions, like what is the normal ICP? That's just rote memory, is it not? Then there are high-scaled score questions. The high-scaled score questions are the ones that really require a deep level of critical thinking. So it's putting together all kinds of things uh, from assessment to pathophys to lab findings to um, underlying knowledge of pathophysiology versus just plain rote memorization. So as far as the test um, configuration, we said 150 questions. I always get people that ask me how many do I need to get correct in order to be able to pass? And it's really hard to give an answer. The only answer to that is, well, it really kind of depends. It depends upon how many high scaled score questions versus lower scaled score questions you get in your particular exam. The person that worries me is always the person that comes up to me and says, okay, okay, so how many can I get wrong and still pass? So guys, the, the very first part of this is really the head part, the, the walking into that test and saying, you know what, I can do this. I've lived and breathed critical care. I know it. I've studied for this and I can pass this thing. Kind of like you're sitting down in front of the computer and saying, okay, make my day. So you got to go in with a little bit of a tood and just be really determined that you are going to pass. If you walk in kind of saying to yourself, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really ready. Let's see. I could have studied more and I'm not sure and I'm scared. I have to say that you're setting yourself up for an undesirable outcome. We'll just call it that. So go in there just proud, holding your head up high. I commend you for having taken this exam. As I said in episode one, you certainly are raising the bar on your practice. Walk in there, sit down and take it 
and be confident. Another thing about being confident, of course, and taking an exam, uh, and that is do whatever is the best for you that prepares you for maximal brain activity. Now, what do I mean by this? I'll just go ahead and use myself as an example. I need to have seven or eight hours of sleep in order to have maximal brain function in the morning when I get up. I just, I need that much sleep. That's just the way it is. Another thing is, is I need to have a good breakfast prior to sitting for an exam. For me, how would I define a good breakfast? I would define it as some protein and some fruit and probably some tea to top that off. Now that's for me. Other people, you, for example, might find another way that gets you up and going and your brain firing on all cylinders in the morning. Whatever works for you, that's what I'm saying. Whatever works for you, uh, please do that. So if you're used to eating breakfast, please don't go to the test on an empty stomach and by the first 50 questions, you have a slamming headache. That's really not going to help you in the end. Get a good night's sleep before you go in for, ex for the exam. Now, again, these are all very basic principles of exam testing, but I wanted to make sure and, and bring those up as well. Now, you're going to sign up on the AACN website and pick a location and pick a time. They give you a variety of locations and times in most areas. And after that, you're going to go to the testing site. They're going to want a photo ID. So you want to make sure and bring your driver's license. No need to bring a calculator or anything like that. Um, they will give you their piece of scratch paper and a pencil just in case you might need to do some calculations. No worries here, folks. You are not going to have to do drug calculations and things like that. The most typical types of calculations that I've seen on the exam have to do with calculating an anion gap, which we'll go over, and calculating a mean arterial pressure and a cerebral perfusion pressure, all of which we will go over in this um, review. And also you might want to throw in there a pulse pressure. There might be a pulse pressure that you have to calculate. And this is not complicated math at all, guys. And that you wouldn't even need a calculator for these things. And so you have a scratch, a scratch piece of paper and you have a pencil. Uh, in case you are asked to do a calculation. And like I said, uh, very minimal calculations at that. Once you sit down at your computer, uh, the assistant will help you get logged onto your computer. And then you'll move forward to taking some, just some sample questions that help you get used to using the computer. As you take the exam, you can put little notifications, little diamonds, if you will, next to questions you want to go back to. And of course, I would caution you about changing an answer unless you know absolutely that the answer that you had initially put is wrong. Um, so go with your first gut unless you absolutely know uh, that the answer was incorrect. So again, 10 questions is what they'll give you to get you used to the computer. So you can go forward, you can scroll backward, you can mark a question. The computer will alert you if you skip to the next question without answering 
the current question in front of you. You will see down in, I believe it's the lower right-hand corner, you'll see the time clock. The time clock does not start until the actual course, or excuse me, test begins. So once you get done with these initial test questions that kind of get you acclimated to the computer, um, you then will select begin. And once you select begin, that's when the testing and timing will start. So the first 10 questions are those simple things like, what is the first month of the year? Let me tell you guys, if you get that question and you're already, I don't know, maybe you just need to sit, take a couple of deep breaths and relax a little bit. You've got this. You absolutely have got this. You've worked hard. You're a critical care nurse. You've studied for this exam. So you've got this. So once you begin, you get your questions and uh, you continue onward from there. You can see uh, where you are time-wise in the grand scheme of things. And when all is said and done, there will be a survey at the end that you need to complete. And once you've completed the survey and you're done with everything, you simply go back to the assistance desk and they will already be uh, printing out your test results at that time. So you do know when you walk out the door, or let's just say you know as you skip out the door with a big smile on your face that you've passed. Now, another thing, when you get your test results, the test results will have a breakdown for you by sections. And each section will indicate what percentage you got correct out of the total. And so that gives you a real good look at kind of, you know, a 30,000 foot uh, look at uh, the test as a whole. So with that said, let's go ahead and take a, a quick look at the different sections within clinical judgment to start out with. The cardiovascular sec section is 17%. Respiratory is 15%. Those are the only two sections under clinical judgment that are standalone sections. The rest of them, the rest of the systems are merged. What do I mean by that? Well, the next section is endocrine, hematology, gastroenterology, renal, and integumentary is 20%. So you can see they've taken all of that and lumped it together as 20%. So think that through. There's, what, five topics there and 20%. They're not going to be able to have a lot of time to ask a lot of in-depth questions related to any one of those. The next one is musculoskeletal, neurologic, and uh, psychosocial. That comprises 14% of the exam. So again, another grouping. And then multi-system, several systems here, obviously, thus the name multi-system is 14%. And that pretty well sums up our clinical judgment section of the CCRN, which as I said before, is 80% of the total exam content. Last but not least, we have the, the last 20% of the exam content, and that's entitled professional caring and ethical practice. And again, 20%, and that is broken down into advocacy, 
and moral agency, caring practices, response to diversity, facilitation of learning, collaboration, systems thinking, and clinical inquiry, which really are components of the synergy model, which is what AACN bases their exam on. So to start out, we're going to talk about the testable items on the CCRN exam that have to do with cardiovascular. And I think this is really a good point to bring up that as you listen to these podcasts, I hope you will pick and choose the podcasts that best suit your needs, best meet your needs. Because if you are an expert in cardiovascular and you don't want to spend the several hours it takes to do that core review on cardiovascular, you can simply move ahead to respiratory or any other system where you need to have an overall review. In order to look at the schedule for the podcast launching dates related to the CCRN uh, review, please go to my website and that is khoppepresents.com, K-A-Y-H-O-P-P-E presents.com. And that will have the entire layout for you as to when the various podcasts are coming out for the upcoming systems. And, and February, Valentine's Day month, is really dedicated to the cardiovascular system. So uh, moving forward then, what we have under the cardiovascular system as testable items are acute coronary syndrome, that includes NSTEMI, non-ST elevation MI, STEMI, ST elevation MI, and unstable angina or angina, depending upon if you went to the angina or angina school of nursing. Secondly, acute peripheral vascular insufficiency. This is where we see arterial and venous occlusion, carotid artery stenosis, endarterectomy, FEBPOP bypass. Also, acute pulmonary edema, aortic aneurysm, aortic dissection, aortic rupture. And this is where we have very few but present, um, questions on cardiac surgical patients. We don't really see much cardiac surgery on this exam because AACN has uh, created a, a specialty exam in cardiac surgical patients called the CSC, Cardiac Surgical Certification. So once you've completed the CCRN, if you work in a cardiac surgery area, you may opt to take the specialty CSC exam, and that exam will be chalked full of questions on the cardiac surgical patient. Now, for the basic standard CCRN exam, sure, you might have a, a question or so on cardiac surgical patients, but there's nothing in depth. So under that, of course, we'd have, we have the coronary artery bypass graft patient, the cabbage patient, and the valve replacement or repair patient. Also, testable items for cardiovascular, cardiovascular include tamponade, cardiac trauma, cardiac and vascular catheterization, cardiogenic shock, and then the family of cardiomyopathies, which include dilated, 
hypertrophic, idiopathic, and restrictive cardiomyopathy. Dysrhythmias. You will find these on the exam in a couple of different ways. You know, you might see dysrhythmias represented on the exam as a rhythm strip that you might have to just plain old interpret, or they may say, based on this rhythm strip, what would be your first intervention? So that requires that you're able to uh, interpret the rhythm and then move on to what your, your interventions will be. Uh, and we do have a, a podcast episode on a basic rhythm review in case you need that as well. And again, look to my website for that schedule. Also, heart failure, hypertensive crisis, and myocardial conduction system abnormalities, such as prolonged QT interval and WPW, which is called Wolf-Parkinson-White. Papillary muscle rupture, that almost invariably papillary muscle rupture or a um, ventricular septal defect post-MI are almost always on the exam, one or the other. So you, and, and it's set up in a high scaled score question format. And we'll get into that. We definitely will as we go through the cardiovascular system. So um, that will be on there as well as the TAVR patient. Now, again, probably not a lot of questions on, you know, cardiac surgery, cardiac procedure, uh, TAVRs. We, you probably will have a couple, maybe. So just to kind of give you an overview as to the testable items under cardiovascular. So in the next podcast episode, we will be getting into the basics of the cardiovascular system. We're going to do a review of cardiac anatomy and physiology. And after that, we're going to get into conduction. And that's when I'm going to do my kind of overview of basic rhythm interpretation. There will be some 12 lead stuff coming up as well after that point. So again, pick and choose what works best for you as far as your time. Um, I know everybody's time is very, very valuable. So I hope to be able to meet whatever needs you have in getting ready for this exam. You can do this. Keep telling yourself you can pass this exam. So on to episode three, folks. Take care and thank you for joining me. Please, once again, head out to my website, which is khoppypresents.com. There you'll be able to sign up to receive emails and to um, subscribe to our show. So thanks so much for your time in listening to this podcast and take care. Bye-bye.